0: Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes, In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 229 is entitled, A Layman's Argument for the Existence of God, Part 5.
1: We are here on earth to become Christ-like.
0: Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. For sin is the transgression of the law, and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you, he that doth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous." 1 John 3, 1-7
1: Examine the eleven primary concepts from the writings of John above.
0: 1. We should be called the sons of God. 2. We are the sons of God. 3. When He shall appear, we shall be like Him. 4. We shall see Him as He is. 5. Every man that hath this hope in Him purified himself. 6. Christ is pure. 7. Sin is the transgression of the law. 8. Christ was manifested to take away our sins. 9. In Christ is no sin. 10. Those who abide in Christ sinneth not. 11. He that doth righteousness is righteous even as Christ is righteous.
1: We do not become the sons of God. In other words, we do not reach that state of perfection until Christ appears and purifies us. That will not occur until after we are resurrected. As John said, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. That is a future day. Only Christ through his atonement can take away our sins. Only those that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. In other words, we can only be purified by Christ if we have hope in Christ and strive to keep his commandments. But the promises are astonishing.
0: When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is.
1: Christ himself tells us what it means to be like him.
0: Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew thirteen forty-three.
1: That is what Paul is referring to in 1 Corinthians 15 when he talks about the resurrection of the dead.
0: There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption.
1: Christ will be a celestial body. He will shine with the glory of the sun as described by Paul, who saw Christ on the road to Damascus. He told King Agrippa,
0: At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them that journeyed with me. Acts twenty six thirteen.
1: John also saw the resurrected Lord and describes him in the same way.
0: And his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength. Revelation 1, 16.
1: If you want to know what God looks like, imagine a being like yourself with the following differences. He is a resurrected being with a perfect body that shines like the glory of the sun. Paul tells us that if we live a Christ-like life, we will be like Christ in the resurrection.
0: For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Romans 6, 5
1: Before coming to earth, our immortal spirit bodies, which house our immortal intelligence, lived in heaven with God. Having a spirit body in the image of God gave us greater freedom. It was the first stage in our eternal progression to take upon us the image of God and to live with him in his kingdom. There was no veil drawn over our minds. We had perfect knowledge. However, we were just spirits. To gain a mortal body, we had to come to earth. The Bible says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. In other words, he created our mortal body from the elements of the earth. Then he adds, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He placed our immortal spirits in our mortal body. Only then did man become a living soul. The soul refers to both the spirit and the body. Life exists not in the physical body, but in the spirit. All living things have a spirit. Only the spirit contains life. Only the body dies. The immortal spirit doesn't. I believe in the science of evolution, but I do not believe in all the theories of evolutionists. But regardless, if God used the theory of evolution in the physical creation of the body, how does that disprove the existence of God? On the other hand, theorists have carried the theory of evolution out of the realm of science and put it in the realm of fantasy, in many cases beyond the reach of known laws. Those remain theories. Only that which can be proven through the strict scientific methods of the many theories surrounding evolution should be accepted as scientific fact. The point is that God uses laws to govern all creation. The spiritual purpose is far greater than the physical necessity. As stated above by John and by Paul, the end goal of our Father in heaven is to make us gods like himself. We also have the witness of King David.
0: I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Psalms 82.6
1: In addition, we have the declaration of Christ himself, who quotes David as the Jews are about to stone him.
0: Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father, for which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken, say ye of him, whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest? Because I said, I am the Son of God. John ten thirty two
1: 32-36 Christ will always be our God and our Savior. But Christ is suggesting that there are an infinite progression of gods, all in the lineage of God. The end product would be endless knowledge, endless power, endless joy, endless love, endless happiness, endless consciousness, endless creation, and endless posterity. How could that be done? First, as set forth in another podcast, It is based on the eternal nature of intelligence, on an eternal path of progression. There is only one way eternal progression can happen, through law, absolute, unalterable law. Will would be an inherent part of intelligence, just as life would be. But for free will to exist, there would need to be conditions thus giving intelligence as a choice whether or not they wanted to progress eternally. Those conditions of law would define right and wrong moral and immoral, good and evil. As John tells us, sin is transgression of law. Breaking the laws of God is the only sin. Progression could only occur through obedience to law. Good and evil would give birth to agency. Earth life is merely one necessary stage in that eternal progression. In heaven, two terms are introduced by God, free will and agency. Will is set free by conditions of law. An agency, which begins with a knowledge of good and evil, is made possible by a choice between good and evil. On earth, two more terms would be introduced, freedom and liberty. Freedom is a product of choice and would be subject to temporal laws. What do temporal laws allow and what do temporal laws disallow? Liberty would be subject to man-made laws. What does government allow and what does government disallow? Earth life would be subject to temporal laws which may include parts of the theory of evolution. It would include the laws of physics, the laws of chemistry, and the laws of biology. Eternal life would be governed by spiritual laws. Spiritual laws would include all the laws of God relating to eternal life or eternal progression. From a religious standpoint, then, God is seen as the Father of our spirits. Christ taught us how to pray. He began with. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It is Christ, the Son of God, who created our physical bodies and who is the creator of heaven and earth under the direction of the Father. Christ will always be our Savior and Redeemer. The atonement is infinite. Our relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, can never change. We can never be out of their debt. The atonement must be eternal because the law of justice is eternal. That means that the resurrection and final judgment are eternal. God created our immortal spirits in which he placed our self-existent intelligence. He created our immortal spirits in his image. He created our mortal bodies after his likeness. He placed our immortal spirits called the breath of life into our mortal bodies, thus giving the mortal body life. However, our intelligence, our free will, and our agency are not products of the brain or body. They are products of the spirit. The physical body is a biological machine that obeys the commands of the spirit in matters related to free will and agency. The problem is, the body dies. Therefore, there is a need for a savior who can bring about a resurrection from the dead, thus restoring the body and the spirit with one significant difference. The new body is as immortal as the spirit and can never die. Thus, eternal progression continues forever. Earth is a temporary place created by God to allow mortal life. It is perfect because God is perfect. It is governed entirely by law. Laws are organized into complete sets, acting independently, which allows agency. However, all laws are governed by higher laws until you reach the throne of God himself, who is the governor of all laws. Nothing is created without law. Nothing is preserved without law. And nothing is perfected without law. All spheres, planets, solar systems, and galaxies are governed by a complete set of laws organized by God to fill his immortal purposes, which are to bring about the immortality and eternal life of man. In a nutshell, that is what intelligent design is. The late great Stephen Hawking refers to it as the appearance of intelligent design. The atheist apologist Richard Dawkins refers to it as the illusion of intelligent design or powerful illusion of apparent design. He even refers to it as the persuasive illusion of design. But notes the emphasis on illusion. Intelligent design is no illusion. It is the consequence of organized laws. Only law can bring order out of chaos, and only law can protect and preserve that order. The problem with the scientific explanation of creation is that it is no explanation at all. You end where you began. And science, true to its philosophy, does just that. Order mysteriously came out of chaos, and therefore order will revert back to chaos, or maximum equilibrium, or the giant heat death, or the big freeze, or the big crunch. Science exists only as long as law exists. In other words, in an accidental universe, science exists to explain the existence of laws just until law no longer exists. It moves from strange to stranger. As the accidental cycle repeats itself throughout the eternities, this kind of an eternal regression. Things mysteriously move from nothing to something, and from something to nothing, and starts over again in a cosmic fluctuation. When a singularity mysteriously appears where everything, all the matter in the universe, is strangely organized into a point smaller than an atom followed by a giant explosion or Big Bang, and gravity strangely organizes galaxies of moons, stars, planets, black holes, and solar systems out of matter too small to even be affected by gravity. To add to the mystery, the Goldilocks zone must mysteriously appear making life possible, and when that happens, life mysteriously appears and explains why it all happened by accident. That continues forever in a meaningless universe, as accident follows accident. Science is self-contradictory. Science exists only because laws exist. Yet in the contradictory philosophy of science, laws came about by accident, which contradicts everything science stands for. Christians, though their views of the finer points of religion may differ, agree that the world was created by intelligent design, and that intelligent designer is God. That means there is no such thing as an accidental universe or accidental man. Christians also agree that the Creator is Jesus Christ, the Savior and Redeemer of the world, and the only begotten Son of the Everlasting Father. Though we may disagree on what that purpose is, we all agree that everything was created for a divine purpose, and, as the Apostle Peter said, we have a divine nature. From the Christian perspective, earth is no accident, and life is no accident. We are all on a path of eternal progression. We were created by God, who is the father of our spirits, and sent to earth to become Christ-like. The theory of an accidental universe promoted by atheists is without purpose or meaning. In the words of Bertrand Russell, science thinks life is merely an accidental collocation of atoms. We came from nothing and will go back to nothing. Intelligent design better fits what we see. We don't adhere to the mere appearance of intelligent design, or the more cynical illusion of intelligent design. We believe in the intelligent designer. Indeed, I prefer the view of the Apostle Paul.
0: 1 Corinthians 12:31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way.